Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams, along with Skeeter Robinson. We are getting ready for the week after the Masters. It's the RBC Heritage. It's at Harbortown Golf Links in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And Skeeter, as it is, yesterday was the Masters. It was also the opening to the final season of Game of Thrones. What would you think of that episode, man? Oh, wait, Game of Thrones was on last night? <laughs> yes, and and honestly, I know you don't watch it, but uh, the episode was just about the way you uh, you responded because there wasn't a whole lot going on. So we'll uh, we'll move well past <laughs> Westeros for this podcast. But I just had to throw that out there because I'm uh, enamored that you got to take a peek, man. It's a good show, but last night stunk. But yesterday morning, as we had a weather change to the schedule, and the Masters ended up concluding at about two thirty or so, three o'clock, when the leaders were really uh, supposed to go off, but it made for riveting television in the morning. And I'm not a Tiger Woods fan. I'm also not a Tiger Woods hater. I, you know, I fall in the middle. I'm, I, I think he's good for golf. Like him or not, yesterday was really cool. Oh, absolutely. By the way, before we get to Tiger, did you like the fact, did you like this morning start for the Masters with a, like the early afternoon finish? I didn't, but then all of a sudden I did because, you know, as, I woke up, drinking a cup of coffee, and boom, it's on. Man, it's go time. So, um, you know, it's kind of just like what we'll have in a couple of months here when the uh, the Open Championship gets played. We'll be uh, doing the same. Or it's like watching the Ryder Cup when it's uh, it's over in Europe, you know, where you wake up and, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes they're in the second round of the uh, – when they play two rounds in earlier days. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird, but it was also kind of nice. Like, you know, I went to church, got home, like – all right, well, I know that I'm doing the next four hours just yeah. here watching the final round, but um, but no, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, I have nothing against Tiger. I'm certainly not the biggest Tiger fan. I'm not going to claim to be, but you know, I do. You know, I root for him, especially in situations, and and I found myself rooting for him yesterday. Like, it was just the story. What once Molinari hit the uh, water ball on 15, that was kind of when it was like, okay, this is probably Tiger's at this point, and. Then that tee shot on 16 where he ne- nearly aced it. I mean, Augusta, Augusta might have had its own earthquake if that ball goes in. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it? Was I believe Kepka was on 17 at that point, and the uh, gallery to the left of him, waiting to watch him tee off, was still clapping as he's like uh, as he yes. teed off, yes, which I was pretty wild. That that was so weird. I think eventually Brooks was just like, well. I'm tired of standing here waiting. Um, I don't. I don't want to be waiting to tee off when Tiger's putting because then they'll roar again. Let's just go. But I mean, that tee shot was awesome. The shot of Phelps behind him, peering in behind him as they're both bending over, peering in. Um, that's a. Uh, that was. I mean, that was classic Tiger knowing the course because I think he meant to hit it all the way over there and use the slope because it was a safe shot that also gave him a tap in birdie. Um, you know, because that shot misses to the right of the pin, not misses, but hits to the right of the pin 15, 20 feet, and then just rolls all the way back. Like, that's that's Tiger knowing the course. Right, and it's the classic Sunday pin, and that's why we saw two hole-in-ones by Bryson and JT yesterday. But, um, but you know, when I found myself – okay, so I was rooting for Tiger, of course, at the end. However, all of a sudden, like, I think it was like the 15th hole, I'm like, wait, once Molinari kind of hits the one in the water on uh, 12 on 12 – it's all of a sudden like, wait a minute, Dustin Johnson's 
quietly close here. Like, if he birdies out, he has a real legit chance. And it, and I went on to Sirius Saturday morning when they asked, you know, who my pick was. I go, you know what? By his standards, nobody's talking about Dustin Johnson. And he was my pick. And, man, for, for a couple minutes there, I'm thinking, oh, man, this might actually happen. Um, just missed that putt on 18, which, by the way, he makes that. Tiger then has to par 18 to win instead mm -hmm. of bogey, so that might have that might have been real interesting to see a DJ Tiger playoff. And I think Kepka even missed a pretty close putt too, or nearly hold one out on 18 to mm -hmm. for that playoff too. But um, but just the drama of it all, and you know Tiger's reaction. This was not Tiger from the early 2000s. This was the new glad to you know appreciative of everything Tiger and. I think this is the this is why I I tend to I'm starting to like him more and more. Just you're starting to see the human side of him that maybe we just <laughs> didn't see before. Like you know he kind of maybe has realized some of the his, uh, things he's done in the past that he might not be overly proud of. But man, when you see the reaction he had and pumping up the crowd and the family and all that, you can just tell that this is a different Tiger mentality as far as the public perception goes. But that intensity was why he won because you know. Staring that ball down at 16, you, this was the old Tiger, like, this is going in, and by the way, there's nobody beating me today. Yeah, it was actually cool watching, because I'm watching with a buddy, and it's like, you know, he's got to know that he's he's got it won, and we were, like, talking about, what's his reaction going to be when he wins? You know, is he going to cry? Is he going to scream? What's he going to do? Because, I mean, he was just, he was dialed in until that final putt went in, you know? No smiles, no nothing except for, uh, you know, glaring the, the prowl if you will and it was uh it was cool um unfortunately i went on to that same program yesterday and i think it was probably around hole six or seven for the leaders i was like you know marlinari is just not going to make any mistakes no one's no. catching them well marlinari well, made two biggins well well don't worry i'm listening to you I'm like yeah yeah he's up three and he's not blinking and he you know he did this back at the open like there's no reason for him to do it and then all of a sudden well the water on the back nine Sunday at Augusta pops its head. I mean, Brooks hit one in the water. Um, Finau went in. Poulter went in. There's somebody else who might have went in besides Molinari. Or... Well, he went in twice. <laughs> yeah, on 15. Well, I think he hit a tree branch, which was kinda... He did. It was, uh, yeah, that, that was just brutal. That's when, I think that's about when I text you and I was like, never mind, there's not going to be any playoff. No, no, I know, but, but man, um. But you know what? This is what we want out of a major, or well, mm -hmm. any tournament, but especially a major. We want this drama, um, and we got it. And especially with Tiger being the guy, I think you know, I think this is just a great for golf. I think it's be great even for us here in the fantasy world because I think now we're going to see more people kind of casually play this week, start playing the majors. I mean, you and I both liked Tiger last week. We just didn't play because we thought he'd be highly owned and. He actually wasn't as high owned as we thought. I don't think that's going to happen in the future. I bet he will be minimum 15, more likely 20, 25% owned at the PGA. Yeah, especially if he's not priced up in the 10K tier, you know, where he really, yeah, you know, he, he gets priced up at the Masters because of his history there. But, you know, he if, if he's not priced with the very top guys, then, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think we will see a lot of ownership because people, you know, people don't want to, like, look, when Charlie Hoffman finishes second, I want to have Charlie Hoffman in my lineup. I want to have him when he finishes first, too. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take the second we got a couple weeks ago. 
But uh, you know, like guys, guys are going to say, "Well, if Tiger wins, I want to see him win." You know, I want to be, I want to be have a little piece of that. Well, I think he's going to be higher priced just because they're the PGA's at Bethpage Black, a spot that Tiger has won. Even when we go to Pebble for the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open, he's won there. I don't think he's won at Turnberry for the British. I, I, I or not Turnberry. It's our, is it Royal Portrush? Yeah, because it's the first time I think I, the Open's there. So. The next two majors, at least, he's one of the courses there. So, and DraftKings does price course history in a little bit. So, I bet you will see him priced higher than what we have in the past couple majors. Yeah, and what's cool, in a way, is that we don't have to wait two months for the next major, which we normally do because of that change of schedule. So, the PGA will be next month, but uh, we've got a few weeks of golf in between that. And uh, what do you say we bust into this heritage? Uh, field and and start breaking uh breaking down the 10k tier sounds good to me all right well uh world number one is the number one price player dustin johnson um but before we do that actually because we normally talk a little bit about the course itself we did not do that got a little carried away with masters talk um this is a little bit shorter course right and so what are we uh what are our expectations what are we looking for from certain players at harbortown so yeah, Harbor Town's a par 71, about 7,100 yards. Um, not a real long course as far as tour standards go. And three par fives, two in a front, one on the back. It can play tough. It is sitting on just off the Atlantic Ocean. Um, it's part of, I guess it's like a little island or inlet or I'm not fully sure how that goes in South Carolina or along the coast. So it's kind of, it's by water. It's a narrow course. So... You're going to want to have golfers who can hit the fairway. Driver, you will not see many drivers used here. This is definitely a second shot course where you need to be in the fairway. Otherwise, you are in trouble. We've seen this uh, historically kind of play around tour average as far as easiness. Um, I put on my fantasy fix the past four years. This is something I'm going to start trying to do each week in the intro article. And we're seeing, you know... Play about half a stroke under par, three tenths under par, point uh, one under par, and then if the winds kick up like they did in 2016, it was like the eighth toughest, and was it can play nearly 1.3 strokes over par. So that is something to kind of keep an eye on once we get to Wednesday night. The weather, see what it, what it's like. This is a Pete Dye course, so you are going to see some of the Pete Dye specialists like a Kuchar, Siwoo Kim, um, Furyk fits in the mold. Um, some people will say Kisner does. I think that's going to kind of be important, and it might actually, as I was kind of getting ready for this, a couple guys that I really do like or thought I would like, I might have to eliminate them just because of either not great Pete Dye experience or the first time they've ever seen a Dye course. Um, if you want to, uh, another corollary might be the match play course a couple of weeks ago. That was a little more low scoring, but that again was a Pete Dye course. So who were the top three that we saw there? Kisner, Kucher, Molinari. All three of them are in this field. I'm going to be curious to see if there's a correlation between that. The other thing that I think might happen this week, and I don't know, and I'm going to blame Pat Mayo for this again, is last year he was on Satoshi Kodaira, I think like in the little 6Ks, kind of similar to where he's priced this year, because he was like top 50 in the world, and I think it was like second or third actual PGA Tour start. He wins in a playoff. So don't be surprised if you see like the Justin Hardings, the Matt Wallaces, the Eddie Pepperells, these guys that are highly ranked as far as the world golf rankings, get maybe a little extra bump just because of the Kadira win last year in a similar spot. 
I certainly look at all of those guys, and I was looking exactly at where they rank in the world ranking. I mean, Fitzpatrick, 35, 36 is Wallace, 39 is Pepperell, and they're not priced uh, with guys in their uh, like range there. So I and Harding too. I was kind of looking at that as well. So uh, I, I would, I, think I would think they make play, they make good plays at their prices. Yeah, I think Fitzpatrick's actually priced up because he was one. I was like, what's he priced at? I think it was like 8,500. Like, he oh, is. He's in the well, mid eights. Well, I don't think I'm playing Pepper. I don't think I'm going to play uh, Fitzpatrick. If he was 75, I was definitely in. But 85, there's some other guys I like around him. Well, let's now let's get to Dustin Johnson as we <laughs> get into the 10K tier. And there's five guys in the 10K plus tier. Uh, DJ World number one is at 11.6. Um, do you? Where do you look at Dustin Johnson? I mean, obviously we know how great he is. He plays great. He was. You know, the recent recent history is wonderful, but is this a course where his length is muted a little bit and he's just not as much better as the rest of the field to be that top-priced guy? You can look at it that way, the fact that he's not going to be able to hit a lot of drivers. You can also look at it as, okay, he can hit a 3-1 or a 2-iron and still give himself a wedge or 9-iron into a lot of these holes. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, he was 16th last year. I was always afraid, especially when he was a quiet runner-up last week, that he might go still a little overlooked, and he might just blitz this field. That's just uh, always a concern with DJ, but, I mean, it is a good enough field. Uh, Stat-wise, second tee to green, third in greens and regulation, third in par four strokes game, fifth in short game. There's really not a big weakness to DJ's game. 11-6 is pricey. There are some, there are some plays in the 6Ks that... I'll be curious to see if you and I are in agreement with some of them. But we both said, you know, pre-show that we do like some guys in the 6K range. I just, my concern with DJ is if I use him, I don't get to use some of this value that I really like in the 9s and the 8s and even the upper 7s. So, I will have DJ just because I never fade him completely or I rarely do. As I told you, I'm already thinking about going 20 lineups because there's just so many of the guys mm. that I love playing this week that are here. And I just don't know if I want to fade some of them. So, DJ 11-6, I don't think you have to play him. I just, it's the, for me, it's the fear of him winning by seven or eight. Next guy, Francesco Molinari. Uh, not a wonderful course history. He's played here a couple times here in the last three years. And, uh, well, I just lost him. 22nd two years ago, 45th and 49th sandwiched around that. So, not not great. I mean, you're looking for better than 22nd, his best finish. If you're going to pay 11300 is there any concern there as well as, you know, a meltdown yesterday? I mean, maybe it wasn't really a meltdown because he didn't allow it to balloon on itself. He still finished in the top five, but a couple of water balls um, certainly kept him from being in a playoff or in the position to win this tournament. Any of that bother you with Molinari at 11300 Um, A little bit. I'm not worried about the course history. I mean, I think this is a definite, you know, he's changed. He's a different player now than he was this time a year ago. He's, what, won three events worldwide, at least three worldwide. I don't have his, if he's won any, I don't think he won any. Well, he's won once or... already this year, plus he won uh, the major last year, so. Right, he won I mean, quick loans and he was second to John Deere, and the only reason he didn't win that is because Michael Kim shot like the tournament of his life. So, I do worry a little bit about that hangover, just because of the final round thing. I mean, it's hard. It's kind of a hard thing to get over. I thought he handled the post uh, 
the post um, round and out interview with Amanda Balionis of CBS. I thought he handled it really well, really classy. Like he was bummed, but I still think he he might have the, the that optimistic long term perspective on things. He still doesn't rate real well statistically, and that's part because of this his first two events on tour this season. He that he basically uses those as his, as his warm up. So he's not really ranking great statistically over the past twenty four rounds. If I go over past 50 rounds on Pete Dye courses, because this is something I think I'm going to look at. He's 60 to green, fourth good drive. So he does have some recent success at the Pete, at Pete Dye courses. We saw him finish third match play where he basically steamed roll, steamrolled everybody except losing to Kisner in the semifinals. 11-3, again, he's somebody I probably will have shares of. I just don't know how much. I... I think right here is where I'm going to start getting involved this week in this tier. That's Xander Shoffley. Um, you know, I, I faded him last week because I was like, ah, you know, I want an older grizzled vet. I, I may throw that away with all my lineups and my money that I did last week as well in, in future uh, Masters tournaments. But coming off of a second yesterday, tied second, um, really finished strong. Really, he had a great second round to make sure he made the cut because he was plus one on Thursday. And then a 68 yesterday. And then I look at the, you know, just the recent form, the long-term form, minus the not making the cut at the players. Shoffley has been lights out this entire calendar year. I think – I was thinking Bryson, who's next, who I like, is going to be my favorite play. Xander was a close second. I may even flip-flop that because I am starting to really think that maybe Xander's the guy I like best out of this tier. Yeah, this is an, this is an interesting one with Xander because I do like him too. I already worry about how popular he might get because everybody's going to see, oh, well, he was in contention. He was in contention. The Masters finished second. Now he's going to this course. There's nothing wrong with Xander. Um, for me, I just think that's, for me, above 10K, there's, I'm, I try to limit myself to three guys. He's number four for me. He's second par four strokes gain, eighth tee to green. So he fits there. Uh, good drives where he's able to hit fairways and then, Hit a hit a green after that. Yeah, he's okay. I just, I get it. I think he's a fine play. It just, I can't play everybody in this tier. So he's kind of the one that's kind of getting left out for me. And I almost wonder, and I don't have any proof on this one yet. I almost wonder if he has a little bit of the Brooks Kepka syndrome, where he steps up for these major events and then for the non-majors, he plays well. He just doesn't have that same extra gear that he's shown and different sort of event major events brooks not in the field but he really did do it again didn't he with oh. that that style it's crazy oh, amazing uh so 10 10, is bryson dechambeau world rank number eight he honestly not at the peak of his form nothing uh he had a top 20 at the players tied for 20th that's his best finish in in over a month he had a very good start to the Masters last week on Thursday, but wasn't able to keep it going. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau at 10-4. I think uh, he's also one of those guys that has pretty good uh, pretty good history here as I look him up. Third last year. Didn't make the cut two years ago. Fourth the year before. So, I mean, I look at I look at that, and that's why I'm leaning towards him, either him or Sander, as my favorite play in this tier. I think he will be the lowest owned of the five in this tier. Mm. I don't think it, because again he's not in great form. People are gonna remember Molinari and Xander and even DJ. Mm -hmm. They're gonna see Kuchar's been a previous winner here and he still hasn't done anything wrong yet this year. 
I think Bryson will be the most will be the lowest owned in this tier. Not great recent stat wise. If we go back over twenty four rounds, his best one is uh, he's tenth from in proximity from one hundred seventy five to two hundred yards. If we look over Pete uh, Pete Dye history, uh, he's been okay. Thirteenth at tee to green, eighteenth in proximity again for that one seventy five to two hundred range. So he's not going to pop his stat models. His form just doesn't dictate it. Ten four is a very fair price on him, but he's 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 my number five guy in this tier. I just like it. I like everybody else better. My favorite two are your least favorite two. Oh, we're That's, off to a, uh, we're off to a great start. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, we're not going to be the same every week, my man. No, nope. I have a feeling that uh, you're going to like Matt Kuchar Absolutely. at least in your top three in this tier. See, how I did that math. He's uh, 10K, <laughs> and I do uh, I do understand that he has very good Pete Dye course history, and we know Cooch has been playing great recently too. So. Kucher, I mean, at 10K, it's a higher price than we've been paying for him recently, but it probably makes sense, right? Yes. By the way, there's that's some good Northern Kentucky University uh, math that are knowing that he's in the top three. Thank you. So, so very <laughs> good. Um, no, there, there's just right now for me is no reason to fade Kucher. 10,000, like, I don't even mind if you say, you know what, I'm not playing any of these first four guys. I'm starting my lineups with Kucher. Because he's playing that well. He's played here. He's played great here the past few years. He won it about, what, 2014. And since then, 5th, 9th, 11th, 23rd. Even before that, 35th and 44th. And he's playing among the best golf of his career right now. He's 1st in greens and regulation, 4th tee to green, 6th in proximity from 175 to 200, 7th in good drives. If I, if I just narrow it down to Pete Dye courses, he's 2nd in my model. And he's top 20 in everything except that 175 to 200 yard proximity. At 10,000, he gives you so much savings from the DJ, from the Molinari. He allows me to start with him, still get access to the 9, 8K, and even the upper 7K range. So for me, he's probably my favorite play just from a pure value perspective. Going into the 9K tier, there's seven golfers in this tier today. And it starts with Patrick Cantley, who uh, made, a, made a run. Over the weekend, after being, uh, you know, barely making the cut at the Masters, he finished ninth. Did not make the cut at the Players. Was sixth at WC Mex- WGC Mexico. Now I remember you saying that those two courses, uh, the Augusta and where the uh, Mexico Championship was, have a correlation. Um, Does, no, I don't. I don't think Mexico had much of a correlation to Augusta. Okay, I, I got a different. It was. Course, uh, it was not the week before they went to Mexico, Riviera. Ah, okay, okay. Because okay. of the fact that left-handers had, for whatever reason, played real well there as a classic old-style course. Okay, so I will throw away that statement then and That's just right. say, all right, it's been it's been two months. Winter came, and I, I forgot there. Are you That's saying winter came theoretically or just because Game of Thrones was on last night? That, that was a Game of Thrones reference, yeah. I was, See, I, I, didn't even I know at least know that, that reference. I don't know any other references, but I at least know that one. <laughs> Either way, Cantley has two of his last three tournaments, top 15s, but he didn't make the cut in the other one. Um, and certainly, like you said about other names, he'll be uh, thought of because of the good run he had. But seventh and third, the last two times he played here, I mean, Cantley's got to be in consideration right there at at the top of the 9K tier at 9,700, right? He is. I, th- I think we're going to see something. First of all, DF- DFS players love to play uh, Cantley. Now that he's coming off that just wild charge on Sunday at, at the Masters, where he actually got to share the lead for a hole or two in the back nine. And I think he bogeyed 16 out of nowhere to kind of eliminate him but 
No, stat-wise, 5th in par 4 strokes gained, 11th in proximity from 150 to 175, 14th tee to green. He, fit, I mean, he makes a lot of sense here. I'm just going to, I just look at this as would I rather play Kuchar or Cantley, and I just trust Kuchar more. So if Cantley's another one, I get why you're going to play him. He's just not for me. Are you still fading Jordan Spieth? I, yes. I am too. Okay, uh. I mean, 21st last week, 30th the week before. I don't know. I want more upside out of 9,500 than what Spieth offers. So we're both fading him, and we'll go to 9,400. Jim Pure. Before that, that being said, if you want to play Spieth, I think he's going to be a great tournament play. Like, you take the driver out of his hand, which he's been struggling with. This course kind of forces you to take driver out. It wouldn't shock me to see him top 10 this week. I'm not. And, I'm not. And he has three him. top 12s here. They just happen to be. Four, five, and six years ago, twenty fifteen was the last time he was here. So right, but this this seems like a course that if he's going to get back on track, this is not the worst spot for him to potentially get back on track. Jim Furyk, ninety four hundred. Um, I mean, the old guy just kind of seems to be, you know, didn't play in the Masters, and I, I'm not sure if this is the first time in forever. Or if he was in it last year, I honestly don't know. But I don't it's think it's 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 a tournament that uh, you know. For a while, he was always in because of his world ranking not there this year. So he gets the week off. He was 23rd at Valero. Played pretty good at the uh, match play before that. Furyk's been playing really well. And I figure Furyk's a guy you got to consider at 9,400. We're, we're considering everyone so far, but he's a past winner. <laughs> he's a two-time winner, one in 2010 and 2015. Yeah. I'm throwing out his past two years here. I think he was injured or he was, he was battling an injury in 2017. Last year, he was kind of coming off the injury at this time, so I'm willing to throw those two out. When I look at simply peak die courses over the past 50 rounds, Furyk is number one in my model because he's second par four strokes gained, fourth tee to green, fourth greens of regulation, fifth in good drives. That's just on die courses in the last 50 rounds. Current form, past 24 rounds, he's first in good drives, second greens of regulation, fourth in par four strokes gained, Fifth in that proximity from 150 to 175, ninth tee to green, and even 22nd short game. 9,400 is a lot for Furyk, especially where we, you know, considering where he was at last year. But he fits this course so well. Two-time winner, playing really well. He's part of the reason again. I'm not. I'm just not going to be on Cantlay, and it's nothing against Cantlay. I just like Kuchar for 300 more, and I think I like Furyk ever so, so, so slightly more for at 300 less. Furyk, I think, is my number two play in the 9K tier. My number one play is Webb Simpson. I'll be honest with you. I told you I didn't think Webb would compete at the Masters. But you know what? He did. And I, I when you're wrong, you got to admit you're wrong. I can't just fade this guy for the rest of my life. Oh, I was wrong. Or else <laughs> you would join me on that? Oh, I didn't play him at all. In fact, because I, I, I was even looking for players in that range. I was like, hey, just yeah, I don't like Webb. I'll go Rafa. Oops, that didn't work. Yeah, so Webb had a really good weekend, obviously, or a really good Saturday anyway, and nothing wrong with the 270 on Sunday. And in fifth in the Masters, didn't make the cut at Valspar, but was 16th at the Players. Those are two really great fields. And then you look at his history here, fifth last year, 11th the year before, and then a second going back into 2013. I mean, there's a lot of things I look at and think, all right, Webb Simpson is a guy that I missed out on last week. I don't think I will this week. I think I'll play him as my number one play in this tier at 93. Yeah, I mean, he's another one that, again, I just can't play everybody. He's just going to end up on the wrong side of the uh, of my core for me. 
Um, he's 11th in my model if we look at just Pete Dye courses. So that, you know, he does play well at them. He won the players, which was a Dye course. Um, I don't know, forget how he did at match play. Played well at the players even this year. So coming off the Masters, good form. This is, again, another course fit. I believe he is from the Carolina area. I think it's North Carolina. He is. He North is, North yes. Carolina, I believe. But, um, but no, again, stat-wise, nothing really stands out for him. Uh, 17th tee to green, 20th in proximity from 175 to 200, 24th in par four strokes gain, but he doesn't have any negatives either. So 9,300, I think he might be a better cash game play if you were playing cash. I know you and I don't, but there might be some nope. listeners out there that try their hand at 50-50s and double ups. I do for football. I just don't do it for golf because I can't. it's hard to predict golf to begin with. So for me, he's more of a cash game play. I'm just going to pass on him just because, again, I can't play everybody. And there's a couple other guys I like a little bit better. I love Tommy Fleetwood, but at 9,200, I think I like Webb better because I look at what Webb's done uh, with course history, and then I look at Tommy's course history, I don't see any. So Tommy Fleetwood, 9,200, nothing wrong with him. I bet you he makes the cut. He might even compete. But uh, just that little bit for me, I look at Simpson and Kisner around him, and I feel like I'll probably play them ahead of them, but – I could see myself getting on Tommy Fleetwood too because I like him. Well, I'm not missing on Tommy's first one, whatever it is. So I just play him every week, no matter what. But he does read out well here: sixteen to green, seven to par four strokes gain. Uh, his worst, his worst uh, ranking is thirty first in proximity for me from one seventy five to two hundred. Uh, doesn't have a ton of experience on die courses, only ten rounds, so I can't really take a look at that. He's not in, you know, prime form, at least what I what we want him to be. Like, he's not contending for wins. Like, he was kind of a quiet participant in the Masters, really never materialized on the weekend mm-hmm. like I thought he would. He's probably somebody that, yeah, I will have exposure to him, but I'm not, you know, if I do play 20 lineups, he might be a two or three lineup type of guy for me. Kevin Kisner, 9,100. 21st at the Masters after a great run at the match play tournament. Um, well, the Valspar, he was 24th. So I'm looking at his finishes, and there's really nothing that's top 20, but we know how well he did at the match play. The top, the, the 21st at position at the Masters, that's pretty good. This field's certainly not as good. I mean, Kisner, a guy you mentioned before, is, uh, you know, good course history, 7th last year, 11th year before, a 2nd in 2015. So three top 11s in the last four years. That's one of the reasons I'm going to say I like him better than Fleetwood for a hundred less. Kisner's my favorite play in the tier. He's right now my one and done pick. Um, this again is just a a course <clears throat> fit for him. And what's really weird is if you take out the match play event, he has seven straight finishes in the twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. anywhere from twenty first to twenty eighth, ultra consistent. This is kind of his home area. He is from the Augusta area. This is not terribly far away. I think it's only two or three hours. But good course fit here. Good course history. Just one on a die course in the match play event. So he's playing really well. 9,100 seems a little steep on him. And I wonder how many people are going to go to him. But he's 5th in good drives. 10th in greens regulation. 11th in par 4 strokes gained. 24 tee to green. He's good enough at 9,100. I think he might... I, I hope he flies under the radar a little bit. Of course, I'm not the best at projecting this on a Monday night. But for me, I think he's my favorite play. He's my one-and-done pick. He just fits everything I'm looking for here. The last guy in the 9K tier is Siwoo Kim. He's 9K even. 
finished 21st at the Masters. That's pretty good. Fourth at the Valero. And then going back earlier in the season into February, he had a third at Genesis, fourth at AT&T. So we're looking at some really good finishes. Now, granted, there's a missed cut and a, and a tied 56 in there. But then I also look at what Siwoo's done at this course, second last year, 14, three years ago, didn't play two years ago. I mean, so far, I literally have get, made a case to play every player in the 10K and the 9K tier, and I can't stop with Siwoo Kim because, A, he's a player I've been using recently, and, B, I look at the combination of, you know, what he's been able to achieve in, in various weeks recently, along with the, the history. I mean, Siwoo Kim will play for me. Yeah, and he's he, he's a guy I never play just because he's so boom bust. Like he's either gonna be top fifteen or he's gonna miss the cut by six. Like that's just something you're if you take Siwoo Kim, be ready for the roller coaster experience. But he, he is he is a die specialist. Fourteenth in my model of just die courses, including third tee to green. If I just look over past twenty four rounds, ninth in par four strokes gained, fourteenth in short game, eighteenth tee to green. He's perfectly fine. He has the upside to win. He lost in the playoff to Kadairo here last year. I just it's it's the boom bust nature of Siwoo that kind of this just doesn't feel like the field I personally want to take that chance on. But I certainly understand if you or anybody else wants to give him a, tr a try. Just be ready for the roller coaster. The AK tier has ten golfers in it this week, and Billy Horschel's the top one at eighty nine hundred. I think this might be the first guy I'm fading. He finished fifth here last year, but for 8,900, I want a guy who's doing a little bit better than he has recently. Take out the 16th at the Honda in late February. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's not even really getting inside the top 35 except for once other than that. That wasn't the players, which is a tough field and a tough course. And uh, I don't know. Billy Horschel, for me, 8,900, I think I'm off. As am I. He's been way too putting dependence in the early part of the season. Um just too too high of a price for me. I want to see some better play out of his tee and iron game before I go back to him. So, yes, I'm with you. I pass on Horschel. Let's move on. I guess the reason I couldn't cash at the Masters is because Jason Kokrak wasn't in the field. <laughs> he is this week. He's 8,800. I'm not even lying to you. I was sitting there uh, when I first started making lineups like two weeks ago. I told you I'd come home from a concert or something was making lineups. Oh, yeah. And uh, I couldn't find him in the field, and I'm like, all right, I had adjusted the player names now, so I can just do it alphabetically and find them. And, well, that's because he didn't play. But Jason Kokrak, a seventh and a second in his two tournaments, last two tournaments. Um, I mean, he's up to 8,800. His price just keeps going up and up, but his play has justified it. Uh, good course history here. Also some really bad. In the last seven years, three missed cuts, three top 18s. Yeah, he's playing a lot better. Than, I mean, again, he's like Kuchar, probably playing the best golf of his life. Hasn't pulled, hasn't won yet, but four top tens this past five starts. I mean, extremely hard to ignore. I, I assume he'll be popular again because he hasn't burned anybody. He's ninth in my uh, past 50 rounds at Pete Dye course uh, model. So he plays well at these courses. He's second in my overall model. Um, he's top ten in everything except strokes, except short game and then 19th and par five or par four strokes gain or sorry proximity 175 to 200 man coker has me all thrown off um 8800 very good price seems a little high especially with some of these names that are coming up some of these euro type of guys who are probably still better players but man the way coker has been playing it's hard to fade him at this point and i'll kind of see where i end up with him come wednesday night but he's he's on my radar right now 
Charles Howe, not an excellent course history on this uh, in this track. He had a 23rd three years ago. But I look at what he's been doing. He's 8,700, by the way. I look at what he's been doing lately, and he's making cuts. Not only is he making cuts, but he's inside the top 35. I'm looking every tournament he's played in the last uh, this calendar year. So Charles Howell at 8,700, I mean, I get it. He's right by Kokrak. He's right above Poulter, two guys that I could I could easily build lineups around. But at 8,700, why not Charles Howell? I, I, I used him a lot last week at the Masters. I mean, used him on a weekend and just didn't get anything going. And I think right now just – we, the, he, he tends to be a guy who does really well on the West Coast for whatever reason, despite the fact he's like like um, like Kisner, he's from this area. But this is for whatever reason in the past, he's just kind of fate, tapered off a little bit. And he, again, maybe probably a better cash game play than he is for tournaments for me. I just think there's higher upside with Kokrak, and I think there's higher upside with a couple of the guys down below. So Howell's fine at 8,700, does rank well, first in par four strokes gained. Two in short games, six in degrees of regulation. He's just one I think I'm going to take a strategic pass on and move on. Ian Poulter at 8,600. Um, my favorite play in the tier. And the reason I like him is a combination of a lot of things. Recent play, I mean, he's been very good. He, had, he was 56 at the players. But outside of that, we're talking about, I mean, everything is, everything is like top 15 minus his, his finish at the API going back to the beginning of this calendar year. So Poulter is playing great golf for the most part right now. And seventh last year, 11th the year before, 18th four years ago. I mean, Poulter must like the track. Poulter also is playing well. And that's why he's my favorite play out of the AK tier at 8,600. Yeah, and this, I'm with you here. Um, there's one other guy I like around the same range, but I would take Poulter over him. Um, yeah, Pete Dye courses. He's 30th in my model, but... You know, he's played well at the players recently, or at least that was a couple years ago. Um, in this field, eighth greens regulations as far as past 24 rounds. Sorry, i got to keep mentioning which stat I'm looking at. 17th in good drives, 19th in tee to green. This just seems like a typical Poulter course, and if it gets a little windy, then maybe, maybe the better. Like it's, it's almost like Kisner's like the American version of Poulter as far as just that match play, grind it out, that type of mentality and this I think it's kind of why I like him and you know Kisner on this course so 8600 is a very very fair price I of course selfishly wish he was you know 84 83 but of course I think 86 is very fair and I I don't I wonder with Kokrak above him and Sung Jay down below him and even Brennan Grace how many people will go to Poulter and of course you can always take about a two to three percent discount on him because well people just don't like Poulter well, I, I almost said something about uh, Kevin Kisner being a jerk when you said he was the American Ian Poulter, but I didn't. But now I guess I did since I just said it. So what do you? What are we gonna do? It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. There are still a lot of people who don't like. Pol I like Poulter. I think he's, you know, refreshingly honest, and you know, yeah, maybe he's a little bit sour at times. But I don't. Know, I kind of like the guy. Oh no! Is that, like I like I've said, if if I was a European, I would love him. I don't like him because of Ryder Cup, right. and so I you know. It. Yeah, I mean, to have good heroes, you got to have good heels. He's a good heel. Um, he's not my guy, but he he could be if I were born on the other side of the pond. And Matthew Fitzpatrick was born on the other side of the pond. He's at 8,500. Uh, and he looks for Fitzpatrick. We get into 
starting to get the, the first guy of this run of uh, Euros and South Africans um, that are ranked here in the top 40, top 45 of uh, the world, but not names as well-known in the U.S. Fitzpatrick, he's been playing pretty good as of late, 41st at the players, but, hey, 21st yes, uh, this week at the Masters. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Fitzpatrick. I, I wish he would. If he was, was 7,500, I think I'd be on him. 8,500, just to polter around and even coke rack and then, There'll be one guy down below I think I just like a little bit better. Good form, certainly. Uh, second API, as you mentioned, 41st of the players. Um, I don't like this. feels like a course he should play well, and I believe he's – doesn't he have a good – He's had two really good rounds, and then he's missed the cut two times as well. Uh, 14th last year, missed the cut the previous two years, 23rd going back to 2014. So um, didn't play it one of the last five years in the other four – Two top 23s, two missed cuts. Yeah, so I'm not going to be on Fitzpatrick. I, For some odd reason, I also get the feeling he could end up being the trending Euro pick this week, and uh, no thank you on that. Um, doesn't really do anything for me stat-wise over the past 24 rounds, which I know doesn't account for some of his Euro tour stats, but I just I think he's a little too expensive for my taste. Sanjay M., the next guy on the list, I don't know where I stand with him. I think I'm starting to think he might be one of the other very few guys outside inside the 8K and up that I'm fading. I mean, he had a fourth at Valspar and a seventh at Putacana, but that was a lesser field. 20th at Valero, so nothing wrong with the most recent form. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, he has he has no course history as well. And so when I like so many guys, I'm just going to start using that as a way to fade some. So I'm fading him, but I could certainly just see playing him because how well he's playing. Yeah, um, never played a Pete Dye course either, so I think for me that might be the reason I don't end up on him. But, yeah, form-wise, no reason to fade him. Stat-wise, definitely no reason to fade him. 7th tee to green, 11th greens regulation. Again, he's top 30 in everything except proximity from 175 to 200, and, that's, and he's 35th there. 8400 I think, is a very fair price. I do if he's starting to get a little too much talk about him, then I'm going to fade him just simply because of the never played a die course. You know, I, that's what I'll stick my hat on and pray that, you know, this isn't the week that he wins. But um, I, he's fine. If he, he's another one. I think he's fine if you want to play him. But I just – there's too many other guys I like around this tier that I just don't know if I can go to him. Brendan Grace, 8,300. I think he's another guy I'm probably fading this week as well. Uh, playing okay lately, but not great. You know, didn't make the cut at Valspar. Not getting inside the top 30 here in the last couple of months. So, for me, I'm off grace. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, this is another course that's just absolutely made for somebody like Brendan Grace. Former and winner he won here. It. Yeah, and 7th and 11th. But, yeah, he just did He did not play well last week in the Masters. Like, I, I rostered him on a lineup. He was actually... On one of my six of six lineups, and he just did absolutely nothing. But then, he, again, when you look at the form, not real great. Um, I'm with you. I think he just falls in a wrong price tier for me. So I will pass, but he is one I am a little afraid of just because of, he's got a re really good history, and this course seems to should suit him very well. Ben On is uh, playing pretty well. 7th at Valero, 26th at the Players, 10th at Arnold Palmer, 
Uh, so the last couple of rounds, very good right there. Um, not sure what to do. You know, course history, seventh last year. Is that enough? Uh, one one tournament plus a, a good month to play him here. Oh, I think he'll be very popular. Um, he was popular. What was? Let me check his ownership a couple weeks ago. With that, uh, yeah, he was in tournaments. He was twenty three percent owned at the te- at, at the Valero, thirty six percent cash. So he and again he didn't burn anybody there. I think they're going to go right back to him. Seventh last year, seventh in his last outing. He's going to fit a lot of stat miles because he's first tee to green over the past 24 rounds. 14th in par 4 strokes gained, 20th in greens in regulation. He's going to pop in a lot of stat models. 8200 also a very good price. If he's approaching 20% again, I will probably play a fade or at least maybe throw him into two lineups if I end up deciding to play 20. But another guy here who seems to fit, I just think there's some better names around here that I can see myself eventually getting off bent on. Ryan Moore, 16th last year. Third, the last time he teed it up at the Valero Texas Open. Didn't make the cut at the Valspar. Um, certainly at 8,100, uh, when you look at what he did last year and what he did two weeks ago, you consider him at 8,100. I'm not sure if I'll if I'll use him or yet. I'm not certain yet. Well, I've met, I think I mentioned it. Maybe I didn't. But he's my other in, – in the league where we have to make the one you and I earned for one and done. Kisner's my one and done both leagues. My second pick is Ryan Moore right now. Even when he missed the cut at the Valspar, he didn't play terrible. He missed it right on a number. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, some short game and some putting. But he's still gained three strokes on approach. He's been gaining strokes on approach in his past five tournaments. And we've seen that with uh, two top 20s, including a third in his last event. Pretty good course history here as well. Uh, it was the 16th last year. I thought he played more than that. So I guess I'm off on that one. But even even recent stat wise, 24 rounds. He's second in good drives. He's ninth in proximity from 175 to 200. 21st from 150 to 175. 15th tee to green. I just I think Ben Ons is going to soak up a lot of ownership right this area. And even Sunjay and maybe people will go to Grace. I can see more kind of going overlooked, even with Leishman, 8K, who people know. I, I like more a lot. I think this course fits him very well. So, for me, more 8,100. Again, I wish he was a couple hundred cheaper, but I have no problem playing him here at 81. Last guy is 8K even. You just mentioned him, Mark Leishman. I mean, you go back to, like, February and January, and this guy was getting some top fives. He's not really doing it as much anymore, but he's still 22nd in the world. He didn't make the cut at the players, but he did – Finished 49th at the Masters, 23rd at the API. Uh, so not great finishes for him right there. Uh, Mark Leishman, I look at him and didn't make the cut last year. He was ninth at this tournament going back to 2013, but hasn't had a lot of great history there. I don't know. I think I think the last guy in the AK tier, I'm off him as well. Yeah, I don't see myself going there. I think he's fine as a place. Somebody if you want to sprinkle in or you want to take a flyer on somebody who – Talon's probably a little bigger, better than the price. Leishman's your guy, but nothing's really jumping out statistically. He is first in proximity for me from 175 to 200. But even when Pete died history, nothing really special here. 8K, it's a pretty good price, but I just uh, I don't think his form is as good enough that I want to go there. Let's get into the 7K tier. And uh, I look at, um, I'm, I'm fading Smith. Yes. who starts it off at 7,900. The other golfer at 7,900, and this goes to what we've been talking about a little bit, is Justin Harding. I'm certainly interested in him, and some of that boils down to 
you know, he's 44th in the world. And I understand I just faded a 22nd in the world who's $100 more than him. But Harding, for me, uh, you know, 12th at the Masters. And then his other his other recent finishes, like, what can I make of this second at the Kenya Open, the first at the Qatar Masters? Or can I make nothing of that? I mean, it's something. I mean, it's hard to win a golf tournament no matter what level that you're on. Um, he's a heck of a story. I think he was like 440th in the world or something at this time a year ago. And now here he's playing the masters and he was, he was leading for, you know, the early part of the uh, first round on Thursday and he Mm kind of hung around into the weekend a little bit. So certainly had a nice showing. I think he might be, again, I think that 79, that that psychological price difference of 8,700, I think people are going to flock to him because they remember seeing him last week. I am not going to play him. I think there are some guys below him that I a little, little more experienced around here that I trust a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the next two guys that are both <laughs> at the 7,800 range, I really like them both. You know, it's one of those deals where, man, if I could build five uh, a lineup of five guys and I needed 7,800, I'd be willing to play that lineup twice and make one Lucas Glover, one Charlie Hoffman, both at 7,800, and I like them both a lot. Wait a minute, you, you like Charlie Hoffman? Well, I know that this is uh, this is news to you, but uh, yes, even though he wasn't able to be the first round leader at the Masters or um, you know actually get that TV time on Sunday because you know wait now let's get back to the question you asked me to start. What did I think of the uh, early finish? I didn't like it as much because we didn't get any TV time for Charlie Hoffman because he was they were they were too busy showing Molinari. Well, yeah, I mean. I mean, Molinari's got a three-shot lead as, a former, as the defending British Open champion, so what do you expect? I guess it makes sense, but, you know, Charlie Hoffman, Augusta, he should have been on the TV more. Hopefully, <laughs> Charlie is in the lead in one of my uh, lineups uh, this week here in uh, at Harbortown. I mean, but seriously, Hoffman playing very well lately, and yeah. Glover's been playing great lately, too. you got to like both of these guys, right? Yeah, so with Glover, the past four years, 18, 32nd, 32nd, 33rd, Nothing great course history, but certainly nothing wrong. And he just keeps playing well. I mean, there's been really no sort of decline in his game. Outside of the players, which it was, he lost four and a half strokes putting, which is typical Lucas Glover, or at least in the past it was. But again, his approach numbers are good. He's playing well around the green. Off the tee's been okay. Like, he just keeps putting up these top 20 finishes. Like, this is like Kucheresque from... A couple of years ago, I would say it was 20, 2015 or 2016. Back when I was having success on Fantasy Aces, I just played Kucher every week because this was exactly what he was doing. But now because it's Lucas Glover, who's not as well known of a name, he's, I mean, he's doing everything that you want. Pete Dye courses, he's 10th in my model. He's 5th in Grins Regulation, 6th in Good Drives, 15th T to Green in that area. If I narrow, if I just go to regular past 24 rounds, all courses, he's fourth in my model. He's top 10 in par four strokes gain, greens and regulation, good drives, and tee to green. At 7,800, I'm sorry to tell you this, James, I think he's a better play than Hoffman. Hoffman's right in the momentum of a very good Valero Texas Open, a very good showing at the Masters. He's not a bad price at 7,800. He's in my consideration, but if I have to choose one of this price range, I'm going Lucas Glover. Charlie Hoffman has a little better course history. This is true. Now I'm just standing up for my guy. I'm not even no. trying to like make valid points. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get it. Like, no, Hoffman is a fine play. I mean, as I said, he I have a star by him, so he's definitely in consideration. 
I'm just saying if I get to 7,800, I need one of these two. I lean Lucas Glover right now. But I'm not telling you Charlie Hoffman's the wrong answer because he is not necessarily a wrong answer here. 7,700. Russell Knox looks like a play to me. I know that Luke List is a guy you consider from time to time. But I'm looking at what Knox has done lately. 24th at Valspar, 35th at the Players. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, this course is a place for him as well. Knox, yeah, he's had a 2nd, a ninth, an 11th, an 18th, and a 40th. Not in that order in the last five years here. Uh, Knox is my favorite play in this tier. Okay. I like Glover too, so I mean... I could, I could easily put Glover here, but I, but this is a course set up for Russell Knox. He's not a big driver of the golf ball. He can adjust to weather, being from Scotland. Four top 20s the past five years. 40th last year, yeah, not great, but I can live with it. His approach numbers, past three tournaments he's played. He gained six strokes on approach at the Valspar. Gained four at the Players. Gained eight at Honda. His problem, as usual for him, he can't putt. Um... So if he's even average at putting, he's probably top 10 contending for a win. He, of course, has to get to that point. But when I look at the price here at 7700 I think it's a very fair price. Again, maybe he's a slightly better cash game play, whereas Luke List at the same price would be the much higher upside. But I, I do like Knox a lot here, and I just think he's a better course fit than, than List. The uh, 70, there's three golfers at 7,600. That's Aaron Baddeley, Rafa Cabrera Bello, and Abe Answer. I mean, for me, I know Baddeley has won this thing, but it was a long time ago, uh, 2006. I think RCB it really is in good form. I mean, he's a guy at 7,600. I think it's a pretty good value. I maybe, maybe it's just biased because I played him last week at the, at the Masters and didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. I just don't feel like. I feel like, yeah, 36, 30th and miscut. Like, yeah. Like, for me, I mean, I use him at API where he was third. He was great. I just, he's losing too many strokes putting, too many strokes around the green right now. Like, I just, he's in okay form and at this price. I mean, it's, I, I think it's a fair price for him. Maybe I end up coming around on him because I, for whatever reason, I always end up on RCB and come Wednesday night. But right now, I just, I don't think I'm going there unless, yeah, unless I, for whatever reason, need one more guy in this range. But I'm so heavy on Glover, Hoffman, and Knox, and there's a guy coming up at 7,500 who I don't remember playing a whole lot that I'm on again. Or that I'm on for the first time, and I don't know when. I just look at him, and he's 31st in the world, and I'm like, he's priced about the 31st, uh, you know, he's about the 31st rank in, in price in this field with a lot of guys, one through 31, not in there. And I just look at that as a, as a, as a good deal. But no, I also... Uh, it's very fair. I, I, th I think it's a very good price on him. I think his upside is there. It's just right, right now he just doesn't fit what I think I want to do. But as I said, I've, I mean, I didn't talk great about him last week on the, show, on, on the podcast. And, well, you know, come Wednesday night... Oh, 5% ownership? Yes, give me some RCB. So. <laughs> Let's make that 7%, thank you. That's right. So, I, I mean, don't be surprised on Wednesday night. I write, well, here we go again. I'm on RCB. So, Looking at the list, there's three guys at 7,500. Uh, McDowell, Graham McDowell, Zach Johnson, Brant Snedeker. All pretty big names. Uh, for me, McDowell is the play out of this tier. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look at him, and and it's it's almost like we're seeing a resurgence to you know, I don't know if this is the same golfer that won the U.S. Open, 
uh, but he's seventh at the Valero. Again, he won the Punta Cana, not the biggest field, but the last couple of rounds out there, Graham McDowell's played pretty darn good. He has. Um, the only concern I have for him is that he's getting a little reliant on his putter. Uh, gained five strokes putting at, at, tech, at the Valero, four and a half at the Valspar. But even when you go back to like the AT&T Pro-Am, he, he was 18th there. He was okay on approach. I think he's worth the risk at 7,500. Just I think he's in the best form of these three. Johnson and Snedeker are the better names. But or, or the bigger names, but I, they're not playing as well as McDowell is right now. So, and he I, won this thing in 2013. Right. Yes. And Zach Johnson's never really played this course well, despite the fact that this would seem to fit him really well. Yeah, you have to go back to 2012 for a second. Outside of that, really hasn't done anything worthwhile. Uh, Snedeker, a former winner here, does have some solid finishes. So. But he's just his form right now is just not where I think he wants or where I want it to be for me to use him outside of that fifth of the players. So again, that would be the Pete Dye uh, corollary if you want to play him. But I just I don't think Snedeker or Johnson for me yet. So I think McDowell's my play here at seventy five hundred. If you go seventy four hundred, uh, to me Emiliano Grillo is the only one I'm looking at. Anybody else different there? Um. I mean, Berger's a die specialist. He's seventh in my die ranks. Grillo's eighth over past 50 rounds. Neither of them, I don't think, are carrying great form. Grillo caught some late ownership, I believe, for last week and didn't really do much. So I'm not on either of them. Um, so I like McDowell a little bit more at 7,500. And there's going to be some. There's a guy at 7,300. 7, Actually, this $7,300 tier is a really interesting spot. Yeah, you got Corey Connors, Bud Colley. Matt Wallace, Keith Mitchell, uh, Russell Henley. Who is it? For me, it's Connors. I mean, and he, I think he he's going to gain some steam. One, you know, one at Valero, turn around, played a court, you know, played Augusta. Never had seen a court. Well, at least he'd never played it professionally at all. I don't know if he played there in college or not. But turn around was forty six, which for your first appearance, and he was kind of hanging around going into the weekend, and then I think kind of just that whole rookiness kind of took over for him mm -hmm. but stat wise third tee to green seventh in greens regulation second and third in the proximity from 150 to 200 so he matches those profiles well matt wallace i think could be the trendy euro pick in this area uh he played well prior to the masters had a bad week at augusta but he's a first timer nothing new uh keith mitchell's another one who's been playing well hasn't really burned anybody so I think you're going to see some ownership spread around at 7,300 to the point where if you like somebody, I'm not sure I would go away from them because I don't think any of them are going to be real popular or much higher owned than anybody else. I look at uh, the couple guys in the 72K range. Uh, Eddie Pepperell, uh, Kevin Stroman, both guys I'll consider Pepperell's the guy I'd play at 7,200. Um, there's five names on that in that range. Any of them that you like, uh, again, Pepperell, Another one of those guys, high world ranking, he's 39th in the world, and here at 7,200, seems like a, a nice discount. It is. Um, I, I can't say I know a ton about his game yet to have much of an opinion. Again, he's not rating statistically well, but that's because he finally plays WGCs and and majors. So, uh, for me, for me, Streelman catches up a couple top 10s. Brace decently in my model, 10th in par 4 strokes gain, 11th in good drives. Let me see, what does he die, Pete die-wise? Streelman is 17th in my model, Pete die. So, it, you know, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I should have mentioned this at the start, but when I was 
I look at the stats in a uh, course history on Sunday night. I try to. It was amazing. Like all the guys who I was like, oh, that's a good course history. Look at my stats. Wow, this this is a match. Like I don't remember seeing a course or, or a tournament where course history and stats kind of were matching so well for me. And Streamline was another one. Like I don't know if I'll end up using him at 7,200, but I think he's fine. I think the guy who I'm really curious to see where the talk of the talk of the industry will be on 7200 is Luke Donald. Um, Luke Donald at the Heritage was another prime example of why course history matters. Because if you take away the missed cut from him last year, and I want to say he was 15, 20% owned, you see second, second, 15th, second, third, mm-hmm. He has played very well here. I think he's just coming off of injury. So at 7,200, I think I think that ter- the course history people will certainly go to Luke Donald, but I will just fade him because I think he'll probably approach 10%, and I just think Streelman, Pepperell, even some of these guys at 7,300 are better. I am pretty much done with the 7K tier as far as guys I like. Yes, there's there's certainly some more names. You agree? You are as well. The one name that I couldn't believe was 7,000, and I look at his form and go, yeah, that's that's right. Alex Norton at 7,000, he's he's a much better player, but he is in just terrible form right now. So as tempting as that is, unless he's coming in sub-5% and I go 20 lineups, he's a guy that he's on my radar, but I just can't pull, I can't pull the trigger on him right now because this also does feel like a course that should fit him pretty well. Yeah, hasn't made the cut but three times in the last couple of months. And when he does, tough times in the 60s and one at 44. So he's not better, getting it done. He's a better player than that, too. So I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, into the 6K range. And I feel like there's some names in here that certainly warrant some consideration. Um, I don't want to – we don't want to hit all of them, but no. 6,900. Um, you know, I looked at, like, Nick Taylor, Bill Haas. Is that – is those names do anything for you? Yeah, Nick Taylor actually is, he he's decent in my model. Uh, 17th in par four strokes gained, 22nd greens regulation, 24th short game. He was somebody I used a couple of weeks ago at Valero with some success. Um, I believe at a hole in one, but at Valero, six and a half strokes gained putting. But he played well. The players were gained over eight strokes, so. I don't mind him at 6,900 as a last guy you need to fill in, or if you're trying to play two of the guys above um, 10K, I don't mind him. I think Joel Damon is another guy who could pl- who could be okay here. Kind of more of an ups- high upside guy. Was not very good at Valero Tita Green, but prior to that had been gaining strokes on approach. Has made four straight cuts, and he is a streaky, streaky type of golfer. So at 6,900, I don't mind him there. Uh, next, next guy that I, I don't know if I'll make too much of this, but Patton Kazire at 6,700, he finished 18th at the Masters. So, okay, before that, he really wasn't playing that well until you go back to, uh, to late February. Can I, can I justify 6,700 on Patton Kazire because he finished 18th at the Masters? Yes, I have him starred, um... His, appro- <laughs> his approach game has not been very good. We don't get strokes gained data from the Masters, so I don't know what he did well. I don't know if it was a great putting performance. I don't know if he was just ball striking well or what his case is. Um, I mean, recent form is not great, and he's not going to pop any stat models, but he's always a guy I'm willing to t- kind of take a flyer on. So 
6,700, I get it. I just, I don't think I end up on him, but he is somebody I have kind of an eye on. Any interest in Brian Gay or Scott Piercy at 6,700? I never play Scott Piercy. He's, he kind of kind of fits in that Key and Bradley type of mode for me where pretty good tee to green, just can't short game putter, not very good. Brian Gay, very good putter. This probably is a decent course setup for Brian Gay. He's now a long hitter. Um, what's it? Former winner here does have a six, but I uh, he's he's basically a cut maker, and I think there's a couple other guys here who might be a little higher upside than a cut maker. Wyndham Clark, 20th at Valero, 37th at Valspar, uh, withdrew at the Players, 7th at the Honda, I, at 6,600. He's a guy I think I played a couple weeks ago. He stays in the 600 or 6,000 K range. No, uh, no recent tournaments here. No, and, and again, he's been playing pretty well. Um, the, at the Honda, he gained nearly nine strokes putting, but then kind of normalized. 20th at Valero, 37th at Valspar. I wouldn't complain about either of those finishes at 6,600. Um, when I look over the past 24 rounds, he's 7th in short game, 16th in par 4 strokes game, 16th in greens regulation. The only thing I don't like is he's, he's bottom 10 when it comes from proximity from 150 to 200 yards. So... That's the only concern there, but 6,600, I might be willing to take a chance as a last player type of guy. The defending champs at 6,400, Satoshi Kodaira. Any interest in him? Well, he should fit that world ranking type of uh, play there, too. Um, but He's a little bit further down, but he's also only 6,400. Yeah, just no good form. He only has one top 25, at least on the PGA Tour since the win last year and that was a couple weeks later at the fort worth invitational or a month later so just not in the form i want i get the defending champion but sometimes there's some additional pressure and responsibilities with that i don't think i want to go there with kadira rory sabatini is also 6400 has been playing pretty darn good i mean considering you're given 6400 he's had a lot of uh top 40s here in the last couple of uh months and then sabatini here at the course Finished 23rd last year, and going back several years, a pair of ninth-place finishes in 13 and 14, and he's made, what, 11 of the last 13 cuts? Like, I look at 6,400. If I have to dig that deep, I'd rather play Sabatini than Kadira, and I kind of feel like that's a good play here. I would play Sabatini or Kadira. The thing is, like, every time I look at – every time I look at at, um, at Sabatini, it's like, oh, hey, you know what? He's not a bad play. He misses a cut by six strokes. So, mm-hmm. I I get it. He's just not for me. I think there's two guys at 6,300. I would rather take my chances on right now. I bet one of those is Ernie Els. It isn't. Um, I wow. Looked, I looked at him. He, if this was playing in Europe, yes. He seems to be his, – his good finishes recently have been over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a, maybe a more of a classic design that Ernie Els could play okay with, but – he just does not pop for me stat model, but he was one I did look at, but he's not, he's not one of the two guys. Who are they? Give them to me. Well, it's, I think it might be time to go back to the Harold Varner train. All I, right. I was considering him too. I believe he went to college at East Carolina. So there might be a little bit of a local connection, but that being said, I don't think he's played very well at this course. No, 68, 59th and missed cut. But there seems to be a little bit of a upward trend on him. Twenty third, the Valero, he gained he was gaining strokes off the tee. He's been gaining strokes off the approach. His biggest issue has been the putter. So that's a major concern. But sixty three hundred, 
I'm willing to take a chance on him. He is 12th in good drives, 15th in grins and regulation, and top 30 in both of the proximity from 150 to 200. The other guy, which I can't figure out where he came from, because I I think we mentioned him last time he played, and he, missed, he just missed a cut, is DJ Trahan. Um, couple top, three top 20s before he just missed a cut at the Valero, so he didn't miss by much. Even had a seventh if you want to go back into the fall at Sanderson Farms. So, he's not playing terribly. Again, we don't have strokes gain data from Corrales or Puerto Rico, so I don't really know what he was doing there. But he's top 30 in greens and regulations, good drives, and Tita Green at 6,300. I don't think that's terrible for him. I don't have any more guys that I can recommend to anyone putting in a lineup or even, like, have a sane person would think this. But my favorite player in the 6K tier and he would be on my uh, my fantasy foursome is Boo Weekly. Give me a reason to put give me a give me a reason to put the good old boy Boo in a lineup. Okay, you want a reason? He rates out pretty well statistically. Again, I don't know when the world. Yeah, like where are these stats coming from though? Because that's what I'm looking a... at. Um, <laughs> and okay. he has won this tournament, but it's been ages. So two years ago at the Travelers, he was fifth. He was um. Okay, so he didn't really play at all in 18, so I don't know if he had injury or... He must have been battling an injury in 2018, so maybe he's just coming back, but... He yeah, was fifth. He was, I mean, so fifth of the Travelers, maybe that's weighing in a little bit for him, but past 24 rounds, so again, this is going back to 2017, he's 13th in good drives, 14th in grains and regulation, 30th in par 4 strokes gain. If I cut this down to just the Pete Dye courses... He's fifth in my model. Third in good drives, third in greens regulation, tenth in par four strokes gained, and eleventh tee to green. I and he is a former winner here. You just convinced me to put him in multiple lineups, so I am legitimately burning money as you speak. <laughs> I don't know if I'd put him in multiple lineups, but if you wanted to burn one lineup on him, I there's worse sixty one hundred dollar plays you'll make this year. Even though maybe another sixty one hundred dollar play if you want to go veteran, especially a guy who's won here multiple times. And who tends to pop every now and then. Davis Love the third. Um, doesn't really have anything statistically that's going to pop out. But how many times did he win here? He won here like four five, five times. Again, that was his last one was 2003. So we're not exactly talking recent form here. But you want to take a flyer at 6,100 for somebody to make a cut. Boy, you could do a lot of damage with a boot weekly Davis Love start to a lineup, and you can basically <laughs> throw whoever the heck you want. And something tells me I just convinced you to do at least one of those lineups. Uh, well, I'm going to have a multiple boot weekly lineups. I believe we've discussed the uh, the him riding his golf club down the fairway at the um, the 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 Ryder Cup that was in Kentucky at Valhalla. Oh, 2010, 2008, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so him and uh, him and JB Holmes were paired up, and of course, Boo Weekly is a good old boy, I think, from Florida. But he's he is a hillbilly, and I say that with respect. He was riding his golf club like a horse down the fairway after a good shot. Uh, the U.S. won that that year at the Ryder Cup. It actually was 2008 because it was after Tiger busted his knee at the U.S. Open. He was not on that team, and they won it. And uh, so I think that was the day he became one of my faves. You just better hope he doesn't find any good fishing holes around the course, otherwise he might withdraw to go fishing. But uh, Well, I think that's the other story I told you about why I like him is because he played early on a Sunday, made plans to go fishing, played so well that he was upset that he had to cancel his bass fishing trip to Lake Okeechobee so he could stick around and uh, find out if he had to play in a playoff or if he won. He did end up winning. 
Oh, God bless Boo Weekly. That that's just great. That's this I, is this is what we need more of in a PGH where is guys like that. I don't disagree with you. I love him. Like I said, if I had a fantasy foursome, him, Charlie Hoffman, John Daly, um, and then we would certainly uh, we would need a driver. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean a club like a big berth. I mean like someone to drive us home. Well, you know what? I do not drink, so I will be the designated driver for that group. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I got for the 6K le- uh, tier. I mean, we really went through a lot of golfers today. And, like, what does that make uh, – What is? how does that make you approach this tournament versus others? Because you and I independently both got on and uh, looked and, you know, said to each other before we started, man, I like way too many people this week. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um. So what it does is either – you know, one of the things I think I tend to be pretty good at – and I say that, you know, not, not necessarily trying to brag or anything, but one thing I've had success with, and because I'm a more of a single entry player, now three entry maxes, I'm able to narrow down my player pool. So that's going to be kind of be tough. And I'm hoping as I listen to different podcasts, that they bring up points that maybe I'm not thinking of that I'm able to do such a thing. But if I get to the point of Wednesday night where I'm just like, you know what, there's, I, I can't, you know, there's 16, 17, 18 guys that I legitimately like playing in another five or six, uh, you know, I don't have to play, but I want my having a share, that I might just say, you know what, I'm just playing 20 lineups. I'll play, in a, you know, either the 3 or the $5 this week. And, you know what, this is just kind of sit back, relax, and hope that one of them hits. But um, I don't know. It's either, for me, it's either I'm going to play three entries. That way I can maximize those three entries. Or if I just find myself really struggling, I'll play 20 and say, you know, happy Easter. And let's, let's hope that Easter Sunday gives me a – chance at a big payout but i don't know so it's one of those weeks that you know i have to kind of be flexible with the way i'm thinking and if i'm just you know if i'm having a hard time distinguishing based on the price and form of some of these golfers maybe 20 lineups is the way and just kind of sit back and relax and enjoy it well i am certainly looking forward to it it's normally masters week on easter but this year it's the week after and so we'll have the uh, the iconic uh is it is it a lighthouse that is? Yes. It's a big lighthouse. It's on like in between seventeen and eighteen. Yep. Yeah, and then we'll, I know I know that sadly more from playing video games than seeing it on TV because Harbor Town's always on the golf video games. Right now, of course, too, you know the winner this week might not get a green jacket, but they will get a nice red plaid jacket. Which honestly probably looks a lot cooler. It depends on your style. I don't. Know. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that, that Augusta green jacket looks pretty nice. Well. Does it look nice, or is it just because of what it is? Yes. Okay, that's a fair answer. That's a very fair answer. Um, uh, so trust by, me, I would love to just touch one. Oh, oh gosh. How about just being on the course at any point just to watch? Uh, that's another thing I would super love to do. I mean, that's of any place to go watch tournament, I think Augusta would be the place, right? Of anywhere oh. in the world. Um, the only other one, well, the only other two I think could compete would be St. Andrews and Andrews. Pebble Beach. Sure. And I think Zach Pebble, Johnson's won on two of those courses. I'm, I'm afraid if I went to Pebble Beach, I'd miss a lot of shots. I wouldn't care. I'd I mean, be watching, you, I'd be looking out at the ocean. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine just walking to 18 and be like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that, that's that got to be a, you know, a spiritual experience. That's that's one of those places where I, I would like to bring a little a surf fishing pole, too. And I doubt they let you <laughs> hang out on the left side of 18 over there by the water. But, man, if they did, that would no, be a good I place think, to start I think, it's a, I think it's a beach. So, I mean, you always hit a ball down there, and I think it was Snedeker this year at the uh, AT&T Pro-Am just going hit hit one from the beach up over the rock wall. I think he scrambled for par. 
I don't remember that shot. I'll be honest with you. It might have been. He was out of the tournament, I think, or maybe it was uh, Thursday or Friday. I forget. Or uh, who knows what day it was. But um, before it, we it was, it wasn't Monday because that was only Paul Casey and Phil. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Phil a little angered Sunday night. Calmed down by Monday, especially when he won. But um, but uh, one thing I do want to mention before we we leave is. I don't think we're going to have a show next week because next week's the Zurich Classic and this is the um, this is the two-man team event where they'll play alternate shot and four ball. Of, uh, two, the, uh, two days they play four ball, two days they play alternate shot. Last year and even two years ago, DraftKings did not have a contest for it. I kind of hope that that they do because I think it would be a fun uh, event to kind of to watch to for, from a fantasy perspective. But I don't think they're going to. So if they don't, we will not have a show. If they do, we'll have a show. Um, but if they, do, but if there is no DraftKings and you're in one and dones, check your settings because you might have to pick a one and done for that for that tournament. That is good knowledge, and I'll be honest, I have not looked that far ahead. I'm still looking behind uh, the trail of shredded dollars from from my master's entry. So oh, I thought you were saying shredded grass, since you know it's uh, landscaping season for you. Well, it is. Now there's still grass all over my legs. I'm getting ready to go hop in the shower when we get off here. Uh, but I, I had to get some uh, some good golf uh, good golf knowledge from you. So um, that's all I've got. Um, you know what? No, you mentioned a one and done. Let's let's say something briefly about that um, because I know myself. I had a really bad week at the Masters uh, and I fell. You know, I, I dropped, I think, like five or six spots in the standings. If you're playing a one and done, what are you doing this week versus last week? Because obviously we've got a, a much different prize pool. And, it, you know, what what would you tell people as far as not overreacting or or go ahead and overreact from last week? I don't think this is a big prize pool. I haven't looked No, at I'm it. saying, yeah, that last week was. So, you know, the standings really shook up last week. Right. So this this is kind of the time of year that you got to start figuring out where you're at. If you're you know, middle of the pack, bottom of the pack, you might want to take a flyer. Maybe take a, you know, I'm using Kisner. I don't know how popular he'll, he'll be. But maybe look at a Poulter. Maybe look at a Spieth or a Furyk if you still have them. Maybe a Siwoo Kim. Players like that. If you're tending, if you're at towards the top or you're in the cash, you know, maybe this is an Xander week. Or if you still have Kuchar, Cantlay. Um, but, yeah, if you're, if you're down you got to start taking some chances on guys that aren't getting a whole lot of talk across the industry. So even if you want to take a Rafa, a Leishman, a Ryan Moore, those are typically the plays that if you're down, maybe it's time to make that move. If you're in a league like James and I, where you got to pick two golfers each week, you know, I don't know if this is the week you really want to burn some of these top guys. So this, as I said, for me, I think a Kisner, slash Ryan Moore, while they are certainly good golfers and top 100 in the world, Kisner top 30 in the world, the, you know, I just, I don't know where else I'm going to use them. They, they both seem to fit very well for me here. So that's kind of the strategy I'm personally taking. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening. This has been the My Fantasy Fix DFS podcast. We uh, appreciate you listening. Check out our either next week or two weeks, depending on how DraftKings handles things. But Otherwise, we'll uh, we'll certainly see you soon. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. Appreciate everybody for listening.